welcome to our chat. While Amy is working on her um, post today, I will do the introduction briefly. So today's conversation is about adding the culture aspect of language learning to our study plan or just asking questions related to language learning and culture and getting a better understanding of what we like and what works for connecting these two. And sometimes people learn a language and they don't use a lot of their study sessions to include cultural like lessons or cultural sessions. How else can we say this, Amy? Um, yeah, it's just getting the culture is so difficult when you're not as an yeah when you're not in the country and not in the textbook and I just want to go over and see what everybody's ideas are for just like how do you improve um how to go about finding out about 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 culture yeah, that's a good thing too. That's a really good question. So, um, when finding information about another culture, usually it comes from YouTube videos, or I mean, I guess even documentaries or books, or it might come from the people around you in your communities. It could come from anything, you know. Sometimes, okay, it's a little weird, and maybe I'm not alone. But there have been times where just by looking at a sports show, for me, the Olympics, for example, I've learned so much about other countries from the descriptions in the opening ceremony or some of the things from certain sports. Like, I didn't know that synchronized diving or what's the word for it? Is it really synchronized diving? But... um that sport wasn't from Europe. I forgot which country it was from, but it started in a different country, and now it's something that's really popular around the world, but it was something that was just from one culture, and I really feel ashamed. I don't remember if I brought this fact, but it's interesting how you can pick up about different cultures from any resource or just from your interests, too. So... What about you? It's synchronized swimming, and please don't make me Google this right now because this seems interesting. So, for... <laughs> you don't have to. So, okay, so I just think it's cool. for me, it's like um, even with English, sometimes you wind up going in like you know, like the Wikipedia um, rabbit hole where you're like, I want to look up this term, and then you start searching for another term and then um it's just for me like how do you go about searching for things that you're pretty sure has a cultural context but uh you're not sure how so let me go ahead and throw out this example at the beginning here um i was on twitter and someone that i've been joining their spaces during the day she said "Woma huangla and the wo is means me. La is just like past tense. So there was just the two words, ma and huang. 
and Huang means yellow. And I knew it was Ma because in Chinese, uh, the characters, if there's a character that doesn't have much meaning, but like it'll have like a um, a mouth radical in it, and then the character on the right is usually how you pronounce it. So I was able to like pronounce it, but I didn't know what Ma was. So I went on to Google Translate, and Ma actually means code. So this person was like, I am code yellow. And I was like, what does this mean? So for me, usually I have better luck looking up Chinese meanings off of Baidu, uh, B-A-I-D-U. And that's the Chinese equivalent of Google. So I looked it up and I, I wound up using my website Glot Squad, the journal tracking app, and that's where I confirmed that uh, this article was talking about codes and stuff. But like, I wasn't really satisfied, so then I actually just googled Chinese code yellow, and it turns out that China for the coronavirus has green, yellow, and red codes for citizens. That's their um. <laughs> now the words are escaping me, but like, if you're yellow, you have to isolate for seven days. If you're red, you have COVID. So basically, they, it's a COVID um, isolation code. Well, that's interesting. I think over here, we don't have that system. But for those listening, I'm in South Korea at the moment. And here they just have whether you're positive or negative maybe it's the same around the world but um one thing that's a bit different here is like how long you quarantine based on whether you're you've gone out of the country and you're returning or whether you've just been in contact with the person uh, it starts on the day your quarantine should have started the day you were in contact with the person who adds the virus but that's a different conversation i recently had a word that i did not know the meaning of and i usually go online and search there's for korean there's a resource called papago and it's kind of similar to google translate but it's more specific for translating from korean to other languages to get the uh Korean context translated well into other languages and sometimes when that doesn't work which it didn't work in this case for this specific word um and it's really funny because it's supposed to mean pickle but it didn't mean pickle in the context that I heard it on a tv show and it frustrated me and so I had to go on like Quora I don't know if anyone uses Quora, but Q-U-O-R-A, it's kind of like a more educational Reddit, and I looked on Quora, and it turns out that this means, how, I don't even know how to translate it into English, but I mean, you're in a pickle, you're in a tough situation. I didn't know that Korean had a word that was similar to English, but it means like you're you're in a lot of trouble 
you have two options and both options are really bad and so even worse than just saying I'm in a pickle is just in this option maybe I'll die in this option maybe I will have no money and then later I will die (laughs) kind of vibe and so I had to find these like conversation resources so again the Quora is one maybe Reddit would have been another one I would use or there's this app called HelloTalk and I don't like using it for language exchange but I love using it for posting a question and then waiting for a couple of hours and usually I'll get one or five responses Um, so those are some ways that I get the cultural aspect of a word or a phrase when I just ask. Sometimes in this case, I guess if someone else didn't ask the question already, you just have to ask and hope that someone is there to listen and give you the answer. I don't know if that makes sense. A long story for a very short answer, really. (laughs) No, this is great because, um, like, Chinese is different than even Japanese because Japanese has particles, so you can even tell, like, where a word begins and ends. Chinese, um, it relies on your um, knowledge of the grammar, which isn't even that difficult, like, to know, like, like, this is definitely just, like, a a breakup in the sentence. so I feel like it's even a little bit harder with Chinese. Not that like Japanese and Chinese are not difficult because they are super difficult because like um, even in English, like you can take one word out of a sentence and you know what that one word is, but together it's an idiom or a phrase. So it, it like together, it doesn't have the same meaning. Um, something I, I actually found out um, or just realized is that old Eng- well old english doesn't mean the the words don't mean the same as modern day english so i thought that was true for like shakespearean but like pride and prejudice wasn't even written that long ago and some words in there the meaning has shifted so like even my reading of pride and prejudice isn't the same as what they would have read during that time um, I was going somewhere with that. Um, I just, to get, like, when you're very new with language learning, hopefully you have a textbook, and hopefully every chapter you get the overview of, like, major holidays and major cultural, um, just exposure, but like you kind of have to read a lot of like autobiographies and about different culture events and holidays and then also the news and like it feels like um like tr you can probably attest to this but when i invited you to my first twitter space i probably said like oh i got rugged and then you were probably like what is rugged (laughs) and I'm like well that's a term from the NFT crowd where basically Twitter's being glitchy and I got kicked out 
and you were like, you could have just said, or <laughs> I'm putting words in your mouth, but usually people are like, you could have just said I got kicked out. But, like, rugged is the term that we use. You know, come to think about it, English has so many phrases. Like, even when you described rugged, you said you got kicked out. And if someone doesn't know the phrase kicked out, then you have to try and describe what kicked out means. <laughs> it's, it's hard to get to explain the cultural concept. I mean, the cultural aspect of certain phrases in your mother tongue too. So I'm always worried when I'm teaching English because here in South Korea, I'm an English teacher. And when I say things, I'm always worried about, okay, well, did my students understand what I just said? Very luckily, they understand phrases like shut up or sit down, but there are certain phrases. One day I told my students and I was just like, uh, oh my God, what was it? There was a certain phrase that meant don't worry. And if someone could help me remember this phrase, that would be great. But I said, don't worry not exactly those words, a different word. And the students were just like, teacher, what? And I had to explain myself. And I couldn't find the words, don't worry, in that moment. And so I was just like, just shh, shh, shh. Yeah, maybe I said, take it easy. It was something like that. It had to be take it easy. And they were just like, easy? What? What? And I was like, shh, shh. That's the only way to describe what I was trying to tell them. And then after a while, they understood. But I was like, is this a bad teacher moment? How do I explain take it easy like to students? Or how do I explain take it easy to someone who's not studying? I mean, to someone who's studying English, you know? But if they were to look online, maybe that's one way for them to find the answer faster. Or if someone asks another English teacher about this cultural aspect of a phrase like that, maybe they'll get a better explanation, I guess. I mean, it's so hard, and I'm glad we're talking about it, because for the people listening for a long time, maybe they still don't understand what today's uh, conversation is about, but that's how hard the finding resources for cultural phrases or key expressions or key words are for new language learners and for experienced ones as well because each language has its own challenge with like what works and what doesn't work what translates from your mother tongue to the new language and what just doesn't work you know like for us we have phrases like you know like but for me, learning Korean, they don't have these words, or they do, but it's not something that I can guess. I'd have to listen to a lot of uh, radio shows, or listen to a lot of podcasts, or watch a lot of TV in order to understand what certain phrases mean. So again, hello to the new listeners. If you want to speak, you could request to speak, but you don't have to. It's always great to hear new voices. Um, I love Amy's voice too, but <laughs> thank you for joining us. And today's topic is extremely hard for, for at least me. Hopefully, it's hard for Amy too. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Um, so I'm just going to tell you war stories from when I was an English teacher. 
I was teaching at a university and one day my students were like, what are you doing with your hands? And I was like, what are you talking about? And it turns out that they didn't know like what air quotes were. So I had to explain like <laughs> what air quotes are because I was, and it's just like things like that too, or it's not even just expressions. It's, it's how we move. But um, it's it's great for language learners to. There's not always going to be a hundred percent equivalency in your native tongue, so not stressing about it and just like absorbing it and appreciating it for what it is, is probably the best way to go about this. But I'm more interested in learning about like how do other people use detective languages like um when i'm helping someone because on reddit they have like learning english i think is the subreddit name and they'll be um, like on friday someone was like what does so long farewell mean and i was i like looked it up and it comes from a german phrase and so like so long doesn't actually have a meaning it, it like neither it's not so so normally when you say like it's so long you're actually measuring something but this is just like a homonym of the german word so it doesn't have a meaning and i had no idea until someone asked because i'm a native english speaker so what uh we decided we weren't going to call people out does anybody want to come and speak with us about how they um, su uh, start to suspect something is an idiom or a phrase or um, how they go about searching for just to learn more about culture? You know, come to think about it, maybe we can just share some funny stories about these kinds of experiences. Because even from you, I completely forgot about the air quotes with my fingers. I do that so much. And whenever I do that in front of either Koreans who aren't studying English or even for my boyfriend, he's like, what does that mean? And I'm like, how do I describe this? So finally, I figured it out. And I said, I'm being sarcastic or I'm being funny. And he said, oh, it's bad. And I'm like, it's not always bad. Sometimes it's good. And, you know, even that story brings memories for me and maybe for some of our listeners, too. So, you know, you don't have to describe how you learn about the, I mean, how you find cultural uh, context in certain language phrases. But if you just want to share a funny story, from one of your experiences, you could do that as well. Um, but I guess for me, the hardest part is just figuring out that it's a cultural thing. Like when I watch, um, sometimes I watch um, TikTok and I like watching it for Spanish or Italian. And even recently, because I've been in Korea for three years, there's some new phrases and some new expressions that I have no clue, like who started it, what kind of joke it's from, 
especially I guess we could talk about jokes too because some jokes are from memes and you know other countries have their own memes that are different from the ones that I've been exposed to and so they make these jokes on TikTok and it's only like a six second video or sometimes it's a one minute video and I watch it like three four times and I'm like did I hear that right what are they saying and how do I spell it and where does this come from <laughs> and sometimes I turn into a detective and it takes me 30 minutes to find the joke and then it's not funny because I spent so much time trying to figure out what this one phrase means and I might not even use it again so sometimes it's like is it worth it to study this phrase or is it is it okay to just let it pass and then if I hear it again just like when do I when should I take this phrase or key expression seriously I guess that's another thing but I don't know TikTok is one of my favorite resources these days for finding new expressions but it also scares me because language moves so fast like language changes so fast it happens in English too I'm afraid when I go back to the U.S. there's gonna be so many phrases I don't know and I'm gonna feel like I'm the one that that's missing out like I have I have a little bit of fear of going back to the U.S. because I haven't visited in two years so the language must be completely different now <laughs> I don't know Tiara they buttered jorts what did you just <laughs> say to me <laughs> please do not curse at me again <laughs> I do not See, see, no, I know the language has not completely changed, but uh, we live in a different Twitter circle. See, uh, this is also something. um, So, I could explain the. Hi, LaDonna, how are you? (laughs) You didn't see George? What are you talking about? This is a <laughs> you never tried to put butter on a cat? What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, you better have a fun time when you get back <laughs> This is bullying. Don't understand. It's a someone thought I it was my cat. I was like, no, it's a it's internet, it's a Reddit thing. <laughs> so like there was this it was okay i'm gonna explain it for everybody it's a story i don't understand (laughs) so there was an i am i the asshole um reddit post and it was this guy that worked at a company and his co-worker or he had there was two work cats that lived in the warehouse that they worked one was named jorts and one was named gene and jorts was like the stupidest cat ever according to him like he would get stuck in the trash can and like close himself in doors not be able to get himself out and Dean is like a genius so (laughs) apparently his co-worker was a little bit crazy and she was like you're not treating jorts correctly because he's stupid and like you're calling him lester and it was a whole big thing, but it turns out that she was putting margarine on jorts to to try to um get him to clean himself better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that wasn't an update. 
<laughs> so, that is extremely creative. <laughs> so everyone for like a day was like, "You buttered jorts." <laughs> As a reply to everything, it was great. Jorts is his entire account now. I recommend that you follow him because he's anti-union. <laughs> Wait, so then he they literally put butter on a cat so that the cat... But do cats like butter? I don't yes. think so. Uh, <laughs> they shouldn't have butter either way. She was making the cat sick. <laughs> so, she yeah, made Jean like, sick. Well, like, first off, when you said cat, I was like, okay, I guess someone put butter on a cat. So the whole time I was like, do cats like butter? When do we give cats butter? I don't think we have cats butter. Never. As you just... <laughs> I learned something new every day. Now <laughs> to I your point, like, Twitter is like, if you're going to, how do I put this? Like, if you're going to keep up with like memes from other countries, Twitter is probably the place that it's coming from. Like, or TikTok maybe. But like, I see so many memes that I don't understand because I don't speak like Brazilian Portuguese or Spanish, but they come across my dashboard anyway. I'm just like, man, if I wasn't on Twitter, I would know nothing. <laughs> yeah, I am so new to Twitter, so I'm still getting like 99% of my feed is just language Twitter, which is amazing for me. It's exactly what I need. But now I feel like I have this amazing platform to understand cultural stuff. And so far, I have not seen it. So now the buttered jorts is going to be on my mind. How can I find more buttered jorts? I don't know how to find more of these. I guess, like, TikTok for me, I thought I was like, wow, I'm, I'm a popular girl. I know all of the popular things. But no, I'm still behind. I have a long way to go. Uh, we'll fill you in later. <laughs> we, we should probably go on with our talk. But, um, so, like, with culture, it used to be th- where, before social media, you would have more of, like, a national identity. So, because, like, we didn't have a way to really communicate, so you would have, like, the national and then the regional community, so you were pretty good. But now we're, instead of, like, a 15 minutes of fame you have 15 people of influence. So it's basically like micro communities. So I would say uh, find the people you like on Twitter and try to understand those people and then just not worry about the entire world. LaDonna, do you have anything to say or after Tiara? Oh no, I was just going to say that's a great start. Because again, I'm just, in general, I'm pretty new to social media. If it's not Facebook or Instagram, then I am extremely new. But that that is really good advice, especially for Twitter. And those are the two places where I'm almost never at. Um, <laughs> I, I follow a lot of artists and, um, like, writers. So... Those are like two prime communities for memes. Like it's just it's it's perfect. So like if well I don't know if you like art that much, but like when art comes across my dashboard, nine times out of ten, it's someone from like China or Korea or like Japan, um, 
or one of my favorites. She's in the Netherlands. And, you know, sometimes they'll tweet in English, but most of the time they'll tweet in their native language. And then, I don't know, like you see them interacting with like other fans of their work who are not native English speakers. So I just kind of like stalk. <laughs> like I just kind of like camp out and just be like, oh. I like this thing too because you know like I watch anime I play video games so it's usually art related to the thing that I like but they're just talking about it in a language that's not my native language so and they'll like interpret things a different way I don't know if you find like a thing like a hobby that you like somewhere somewhere on Twitter there's like a micro community of people that are like super hyper into that thing as well and just kind of like sneak in there and you'll start to like pick up on cultural stuff for me i really like inspirational quotes or just inspirational stories i don't know why it's just something about it that just like it's nice to know that there are other people who are like powering through or like really struggling with something but they're still choosing to be positive about a situation and so i don't know like for the writing part i've been stuck in the inspirational quotes section and i haven't gotten to a point where they started suggesting like stories or actual writings um maybe i this would be a situation where i would have to search for hashtags which is something that i recommend to the listeners too for other languages like i study i've used the hashtag search a couple of times to find some people for different um for different languages or even for a certain uh a certain joke that i would find from tiktok i would come onto twitter and try and see if other people um and try and see if other people had the hashtag and so it's interesting i'm i'm still learning about this big world but no i really like inspirational twitter and i like crafts so like i like arts and crafts or i like watching people do diy stuff too i i feel like i'm a nerd everywhere like all of my stuff is like i like sunflowers and sunshine And I like saying congratulations to people who do amazing things with languages. Is that that's that's pretty much my ninety nine percent of my feed. No, ninety nine percent is seeing amazing stories about language learning or struggles, and then there's the one percent for inspirational quotes and DIY stuff and arts and crafts. So, okay, do you use lists on Twitter? Um, what are you talking about? <laughs> See, okay, every time I bring that up, people are always like, girl, what? So I think what happens with a lot of people is they get overwhelmed at the thought of following so many people who their feeds are, like, so different. It's like, oh, you raise cows, and then, like, you are, like, you teach salsa, and, like, you, it doesn't necessarily mesh. So, what I do is I have lists. So, I have a list of just, like, travel stuff, even though I'm not going anywhere right now. But, like, I don't need alerts for, like, oh, this 
flight is only $20 today on my main timeline. But if I want to, I could go to my travel list and it'll show me like all the different airlines, you know, anybody that I put on that list related to travel. So as far as language learning, you can make a list of like, okay, people who are learning, I don't know, Esperanto, people who are native speakers of Mandarin. So you don't have to have them on your main feed and you don't even have to follow them if you don't want to. Um, but you, you can put them on a list and then whenever you feel like practicing your Italian, you can go to your Italian list. Maybe it's people who speak Italian, maybe it's people who learn Italian. And then that way it's, it's like having like many customized feeds almost. A whole new world. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> I'm surprised by how many people are on Twitter and don't know about Twitter lists. I, mm -hmm. I have like five million of them. <laughs> yeah. Anything you would like to say, Sir Gulabani? Thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me here. Um, yeah, yeah, so uh, I, I agree with Donna a lot, like uh, lists have been really uh, interesting for me, even, even when I had to do some research for an academic paper or, or generally uh, to work out things to understand uh, what has been happening around the world, Twitter lists had helped me a lot. Um, and it gives a really good insight, especially if you uh, tend to uh, get inclined towards a specific language and then uh, have hashtags around that language uh, makes makes a lot of sense. Uh, but but as as we are um, uh, moving towards a more uh, fast paced world, uh, the the understanding of culture itself or uh, what culture uh, entails is also changing. Like it's becoming more expansive. That is what I think. Uh, like when, when we say cultural context, uh, with, with language, it's mostly understanding history, understanding the geography, understanding uh, the behaviors of the natives, uh, how people think there. But uh, uh, the modern day culture is a lot different, which <laughs> I don't uh, understand how to uh, merge the two ideas. So if, if uh, one of you, Amy, either you or Donna, or Tiara, you could help on me understand that. Wait, what are we merging? I'm sorry, I like halfway missed that. Uh, so, so, so uh, in, initially when we used to think of cultures, we used to think of uh, traditional cultures and in, in, the, in uh, language learning itself, uh, mostly when we try and learn a new language and then we think of cultures, we think of traditional cultures of a specific region, a specific geography, then history that comes along with it and uh, also the uh, behavior and traits of people in those regions. Uh, but uh, modern times have become more global and uh, the definition of culture has also evolved because of that. Uh, do we uh, understand, wrap our heads around it is, is one challenge that I face. So um, the most practical advice I would have is, well, first of all, it's okay to watch or consume whatever you're consuming and have an initial understanding of something and then go back to it later after you've 
you've studied a bit more and see if you've gotten any more understanding of it, like a deeper cultural understanding. Um, and the other piece of advice would be, where are you trying to go? So like, if you know that you want to try to move to like Georgia, try to listen to someone from Georgia because they'll have like the region, at least like the regional um, lingo. But then just try to find people that have the same interests as you. That way you can at least talk about what you like in a way that a native person would understand. But you do make a great point of like, we are having like micro communities and that's totally fine. And that, that makes like you and my in crowd, which is great. Um, it's not helpful for a, a language learner that's just like, I just want to sound like I belong. So, um, yeah. Yeah, well, before I answer, welcome again. Would it be okay to call you Sasha or would it be a different name? But welcome, and if you would like to talk for a bit, you can, and then I'll answer your question too. Hi, yes, um, you can call me Sasha. Um, I, I was just thinking about when uh, she was uh, talking about culture and how globalized we are. I was thinking about um, something that I see it's happening in the Spanish community. And I guess it's also happening in the, in the Portuguese, you know, speaking community that all, all, how can I put it, like accents are becoming like one accent only like portuguese children are speaking like brazilian children and like in latin america you can see like um i don't know like kids from colombia are speaking like uh like mexicans if that makes sense like this it's all becoming um like one accent due to the fact that we are you know consuming so much media from different countries right now and like uh, the fact that, for example, uh, we have a lot of English words right now uh, going on in Spanish. So like um, little kids would say, oh, that's cringe, uh, like in Spanish. And, and sometimes, you know, their, their parents are like, what's cringe? Because that's obviously an English word. But I feel like, I don't know if it's if it's like I'm going too, too ahead of myself, but I think that eventually we will have like one single um, I don't know, way of communicating. I don't know if it's going to be like a combination of several languages or it's going to be English with, um, you know, a couple of words in different languages. But I feel like everyone is, you know, eventually coming to a place where we, as, as you said, we understand, um, you know, the culture in a different way. I don't know if that makes sense. Like we are, I don't know if advanced, I don't know how to put it, like, um, we all understand different contexts and stuff because we consume a lot of a lot of media, right? From you know the United States or maybe the UK or maybe I don't know. I, I have the, the example right now, very um, fresh in my mind of of um, Euphoria. I think I don't know if you've watched the TV show, but when you were uh, speaking about uh, memes, uh, I could in my in my feed that there were rich about euphoria in Portuguese about euphoria and you know everyone understands what's happening with this story so it was just thinking about um, how you know our culture you know due to, due to the fact that we are you know like globalized we are like understanding each other a little bit better and like there's not much like 
really a difference. Uh, well, of course, we all have different cultures, but eventually we'll like kind of like think the same things, watch the same media and stuff like that. So I just wanted to, to know your you people um, opinions about this. Amazing. That is exactly where I think my answer would have been for the earlier question. I feel like one of the ways that we just have to keep including the cultural aspect into the way we learn languages is we just have to keep up with the social media. I mean, I guess I don't know if it makes sense for everybody listening, but especially as people are getting more comfortable like watching things in other languages or from other communities or the way that social media is slowly blending together a lot of the jokes for example on tiktok are becoming like there you a lot of voices or a lot of how do i say sounds from tiktok are being used from different people and then those people connect with other people i've seen so many sounds being used from creators from all over the world and it's the same sound and now everybody is exposed to the same joke or the same key i mean the same word or the same phrase and it's really interesting to see how fast everyone is getting used to this new way of communicating i guess or this new way of making content and like Uh, sharing information, I guess. So kind of like Sasha was saying, here in Korea too, there are a lot of words that are being borrowed into the Korean language. And now, for example, sometimes they call it Konglish, which means like it's a word that's borrowed from English, but the meaning has completely changed. And so the word savage, we might know as savage as something that's kind of like barbaric or like more... um, raw energy or just a person who might have been from a different time and not know the way of society but then in the past five years even we've had songs about savage where it means like this cool person or this type of person who doesn't care about other people's feelings and now in korea it just means oh i have i have a lot of money Or it means like, oh, I'm, what does it mean? Because Korea recently came, I mean, one K-pop group recently came out with a song called Savage. And now the students are using this word for like flexing or like showing fancy clothes or bringing fancy books and stuff into school or just basically showing that their status is higher. And it happened just because of a song. And now people around the world have their own meaning of this word savage. And it's from social media, from music, from us being exposed to different cultures and different areas jokes, I guess. I definitely agree with Sasha that it's something that's becoming one, not just one language, but just one way of communicating or one way of including information into how we, how we talk to one another not just talk to one another but how we consume information too like now it's going to be important for teachers to probably use the most current resources when studying when teaching a new language or teaching history even in order to keep students attention and like use things that are relevant to the way that we're giving and receiving information now 
And so it's going to be even more important for us as language learners to take in as many resources from as many places as possible, I guess. Okay. I wanted to get you right as you were. Um, I totally agree with everything that you just said. Um, the concept of borrowing words from other languages is not new. It's just becoming sure. very hyper because of the internet and like being able to instantly see, um, consume media from other. It used to take like months or years for it to go across the the sea, but you know we're very spoiled in this day and age. Um, I actually had to read a paper for my linguistics minor at one point where this lady was arguing that we Americans are racist because we borrow Spanish words and we use the Spanish word instead of making it English. And I, I wrote, I remember writing the paper and I was like, excuse, you know, we, we do that for every language. <laughs> like we're, we're, <laughs> We're non-discriminatory I'm about sorry, that. I'm just so confused. <laughs> I'm just, I'm so confused. Like, what? So, can you explain that again? Because it just didn't make sense in my head. Yeah, sorry. This late, I'm, I'm still complaining about it. Like twenty years later, but this paper, she was like, we use the word burrito, and like, uh, ranchero, in our English dialects. So we're racist because we're um, using these words without the permission of the original speakers. If I could have the shocked emoji, um, none of the <laughs> none of the emojis that I'm offered um, can express the true face. At first, I thought we were talking about different words, but food words at that is just like. Would you prefer, I say, a beef or a meat and cheese and vegetable wrap? Um, I don't know how to describe, with beans, how to describe this word. Um, but you know, a lot, of, a lot of languages, most if not all languages, borrow words from other languages in order to explain concepts that are just not native to that language or that culture. Um, for example, again, a lot of languages borrow English words for things that they don't express in their own language. I mean, some, they use it because it's just more common, but other times it's just because they just don't have a word for it in their language, or they don't have an expression for that in their language. And yeah, so yeah. go for it. I was asked, actually just going to add, um, for English, you can use know your meme an urban dictionary to look up meanings of slang and phrases and get like plain uh, mm -hmm. definitions. So there's that. Yeah, sorry about this, but Sasha did raise his hand first and then LaDonna could speak. Uh, okay, well, uh, as Amy was talking about, uh, you, know, um, you know, the confusion or maybe the saying that um, it was racist to use Spanish words. We have the, the kind of like the same thing here uh, in the Spanish community, when people say that when you use English words, when you're going to uh, say something in Spanish, you are using the language of the colonizer or something like that. Like um, they're getting a lot like at, as um, 
as you said, like we use words because, especially uh, words uh, for from the internet or from technology, like they mostly everything, like everything that's invented or, or you know, that has to do with technology. It 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 has you know an English word, right? Like I don't know, cell phone. Um, I don't know, like very very uh, very specific things. They come from English, and, and people say like. Okay, but we need to come up with a word that's um, from Spanish that can actually be used uh, to to describe the phenomenon. But as I understand, I mean, it's, it's easier to to just go with with a word. Is 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 not like really adopting something from a colonizer. I mean, it doesn't make sense to put uh, that much. I don't know how to say like uh, thought on why we use words like. Sometimes uh, they're just they just spread like as you said because we are connected and and that's just a way of showing I guess appreciation and and that we uh, actually take in uh, things from other cultures rather than I don't know um, thinking that they're you know either colonizers or that or that uh, they don't respect people because they're using words from another language. So that's a lot of a lot of what happens also in the Spanish community. And there's like um, people who, who would like try to look for this specific Spanish word for uh, for something, and, and they complain. Like for example, the word spoiler. That's a very common word in Spanish right now because people will, will use it for for what it means, right? And we have we have also a Spanish word for that, but. It sounds weird right now. Like you, you've always heard about spoilers, and right now people want to say like estropear, estropear in Spanish, and like it doesn't like sound that that right, like spoiler. So anyway, I was just uh, thinking about the the different um, things people like to say about when we uh, borrow a word from another language. That I think um, you know, it doesn't make any sense to to talk in that in that way. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So the reason that I was confused is because Ashley, <clears throat> excuse me, was talking with my friend about this the other day um, about communities outside of the U.S. using Black English incorrectly or like saying, oh, this is internet slang or whatever. And it does get irritating because it's like, no, this is this is an actual cultural meaning and context that you don't understand. And not only do you like sound dumb, but <laughs> like you, a lot of people like aren't even interested in learning or knowing or listening to like, you know, this is why you're using it incorrectly or this is why you shouldn't be using it at all stuff like that but what you were saying is a completely different thing like languages borrow from each other all the time just from like the nature of proximity like i mean i don't think the germans care about us saying gesundheit or like kindergarten so i i've, I've never seen it i that surprises me that that person would think that like and especially because it's so whether people like it or not it's so diverse here so i mean you're gonna come across that kind of sharing um and then especially if you speak another language like sometimes it just slips out like if you're studying another language depending on how like heavy you're studying sometimes it's you know, it just slips out. The first time I went to Germany, when I came back here, I could not remember 
the English words for the most random things. Like, I think it was like a stapler or something. I was like, I don't, I don't know what to call this. I don't know what this is. Or like, even sometimes when I'm talking to my friend in Korea, she'll ask me something. I was like, I want to explain it in English, but I don't know. <laughs> I don't know any English words right now. You don't know German, so this is not helpful. Um, but yeah, like I, I think there's how do I say? There's um, like it's not necessarily a bad thing to like question the type of language you're using when it comes from other cultures, but most of the time it's just like you know a spoiler is a, it's a spoiler they're, they're not saying spoiler because they're ashamed of speaking Spanish it's just you know I'm sure we could call kindergarten priest well no we haven't worked preschool um pre preschool I don't know middle middle between school if we wanted to but we, we just use kindergarten it's just you know um, but my actual initial point was going back to Encanto because I'm still obsessed. A few days ago, or like last week or something, Disney tweeted out a recipe for these little, I do not remember the name of them, but they're like these little round cheese balls. So, well, they don't have to have cheese in them, but they're like these little round dough balls. At least they're in, in Colombia, they are. Um, like the same thing in like Mexico is a completely different thing but the comments you know I was just, if you had just read the recipe it's like oh that's cool I'll try to stay home you know make some Colombian food the comments and like the quote tweets were full of people being like please don't do this you're gonna blow your face off and they were just like talking about not just why the recipe was a disaster but like their experiences of, oh I remember when my grandma used to make them and she had to do it this certain way and oh this is the cheese that you know my mom uses and like <sighs> something you wouldn't have gotten just from the surface level of interacting with the media but like going a step further and seeing how people from that culture are interacting because it's it's an American movie but it's about their culture. So it was interesting reading all these people who are from Colombia being like, ooh, please don't do that. <laughs> like, this is what's gonna happen. And like, you know, my auntie has a scar from blah, blah, blah. And this is how we do it. And oh, I like to go to this place. And like, you just get so much more when you go the extra step. Cause like, you can watch the movies or the dramas or whatever, but like see how the people from that culture interact with it and it'll help you kind of like, it, it makes it click faster to me anyway, because like when I first started watching K-dramas, there were certain things I would pick up like the honorifics or like, you know, this, just little parts of the culture I was like okay I think I get it but it wasn't until I started like talking to people from Korea where it's just like oh okay I get it now oh you do this oh this is how this goes so even talking about the media that you consume from other cultures with someone from that culture 
to me is one of the best ways to like really make the cultural part stick yeah so i definitely feel like this topic brings so many interesting conversations because again i just feel like between the languages uh, borrowing from one another or between cultures kind of getting exposed to the rest of the world and like incorporating so many things into their own like into their own culture and language so fast it's so hard to keep up with the most recent jokes or the most recent phrases or key expressions or words and it's gonna be a difficult task for us in the near future to keep up with the new things that people say and do for the languages we want to learn but it'll also be something really fun to watch as maybe some of the same things from your mother tongue or some of the same uh, jokes can be translated into that new language as well. So I think there will be a lot of good points and a lot of difficulties in the near future from us being so connected to the rest of the world. But as we've heard in this past hour, there's just no easy answer for what's the best way for learning it because maybe in some ways it is just best to ask, which, I mean, that's just how I feel. But for some, it's just being exposed to it enough where you could get it from context or maybe it is from someone who hopefully explains it right after they say it. But the world isn't so kind all the time. But there's no easy answer for how to like get the cultural context of some things when we hear it or see it right away because the books even if we were to create a book right now it might it might not be as current six months later and that's pretty crazy because when i was in school most of my language books were from like five years before and they were still able to give us the basics of a language and now we're seeing it just might not be the case anymore in the near future, which is cool and terrifying. It's <laughs> scary a little bit. I mean, like, it depends on the, the level of, that you're talking about. Like, the basics won't change that much. Um, you might sound like a little academic, but there's nothing wrong with that, especially when you're um, starting out. I'm still a fan of, like, I don't uh, watching older movies because that's actually still from a generation of like everyone sat down and watched like the same holiday movies so it's like a cultural connection um, but I do understand like the lure of like I want to watch every TikTok that is coming out and uh, do hyper things like that okay Tiara what do you want to say well, you know, what I mean by that, too, is, again, even from the beginner books and stuff, I guess coming from being an English teacher, and maybe you can relate, too, um, a lot of the things that at a basic level that maybe we used to say going on five, ten years ago is really not common to say anymore. It's, it's hard to describe, but, for example, I teach middle school, and the grade one book is pretty basic. And one of the things that they tried to teach was, may I please, as in may I please go to the bathroom. Or another key expression was you'd better. And it was like, you'd better do the dishes or you'd better wake up early. And these are things that were from a basic, basic textbook. 
and they said that it was printed in 2017. And it's interesting because I'm not sure, but maybe we don't use these expressions. So it's interesting because on the one hand, yes, older things and basics, basics might not change that much. But in a way they do, because there's just some levels of politeness, for example, for English, or I can imagine even in Korean, a lot of the things that I learned from the very beginning, they just aren't used the way that I was taught. And so it's one thing that in the future we will have to be careful about these things because, yeah, if we're talking about the alphabet or some vocab might not change as much, but especially like the grammar is becoming like, mm, it's kind of the goal for most languages to find the most efficient way to speak anyway. And so now that we're finding more efficient and acceptable ways to speak for our language, some things are just dying. Or some things, if we can say it faster or if we could say it better or in a more acceptable way, we don't use the old way as much. So I definitely see it being a need in the future. But I mean, if it still works in some contexts, then that's true too. But I'm seeing so far, even the beginner level books are just like, I don't say that. I had to actually talk with my co-teachers and tell them, I am not teaching these kids you better. <laughs> if I teach these kids you better, then I might as well just let them say whatever they want because they're not going to say, you better let me go to the bathroom. That's just not going to work <laughs> for many reasons. But it's, it, it's interesting. But I do agree with you that some things could still be used from years ago, but certain things I do wish that they would change so that they can keep up with what's I mean with how we're talking now yeah go for it sir so yeah I wanted to add to that like how, how language transforms also transforms the way of thinking of each generation so like uh, certain words and certain phrases that we use pretty often or we taught or we are taught as children uh, they transform they they, um, uh, they make us think in a certain way so like like you like you brought this example of, of teaching kids you better do something so it, it brings that mindset it develops that mindset over a period of time and uh, uh, that could really also transform how the society group turns out to be. So while the language is transforming and uh, uh, more and more uh, uh, homogenized form of language, let's say even English is is uh, being adopted by majority, don't you think it will uh, also bring a homogenized mindset? I, I think that there are some ways for this to be true and false. Like, I think that on the one hand, it will, I think so, but I also believe that it depends on the generation, too. Some things are becoming so, hmm, it's, it's really hard. Like, for example, I don't know if it's the same for other languages, but when you do get to a certain level with English in either college or university or even for writing especially, there are some rules that I feel will take forever for them to change, if ever. Some teachers are still arguing about whether the word whom 
is used or should be used in our language in certain ways that we use like the comma or certain ways that we use which and that um there's so there's certain things that are gonna like on the one hand we are becoming one in that sense but then in other ways i feel like it'll still leave a lot of room for debate in the near future too between the older generations and the newer generations it might take some time but maybe hopefully i have a pretty neutral opinion on that actually but i do i do see it i see it yes i don't know if it'll mm, i don't know if it'll make bring about like homogenous thought in a sort of negative way but I do feel that sharing of language and then kind of by default sharing of culture kind of has helped people maybe describe things and concepts in a way that they weren't able to before both like English speakers borrowing from other cultures and vice versa like that's that's a that's a positive way that I tend to see it of like okay well like oh I'm not I've never even thought of this concept and I mostly get this when I'm talking to my friend in Korea but um like, okay, the big thing for me is in Korea is like the uri mindset. Everything is uri, uri, uri chip, uri oma. And like to me, I'm like, why are you saying, like you're talking about yourself, but you're saying we, you know? And it's it's a concept that, you know, in America, we're very individualistic. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad, you know? But like in studying Korean and then like, talking with people in Korea they're just like well that's what you say I mean <laughs> and I'm like but it's your mom and it's like your house and they're like I mean yeah but we say we and it, it made me kind of like look at Korean culture as a whole and it's like yeah when you, when you step back and look at it everything is kind of we the decisions that people make um, and the like societal standards like you 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 kind of get a sneak peek at these things through the way people use language but if i never like studied korean or like even engaged with korean media like i never would have known that that was like a thing i was you know everybody around the world is just self-centered as we are but (laughs) it's I don't, I don't know if it would be like homogenous thought. If anything, I feel like it will open people more to thinking differently because, because different languages approach even the same concepts different ways because of the language you describe things in a different way. Like you almost see things through different eyes in another language. There are some things that when I say, or like here in German, I cannot immediately explain them in English because I don't, I don't know. It only makes sense to me in German. So 
I don't I don't think the sharing of language will be detrimental as far as like a singular thought if anything I think it'll open people up to looking at different concepts yeah so if you don't mind me going um so I really do think it's going to wind up being like micro communities so like very small communities like I don't really go onto TikTok, so I if I went onto TikTok, Tiara would probably be making fun of me for some lingo that I'm like, what are you talking about? Um, and, and you know, older people might not be on the internet really that much at all, and you know, um, so it depends on like what media you're consuming, what who is your crowd, and how are they speaking? Like I can only care about there's a scientific study that's like you can only really care about 150 people at any one time so like who are the 150 people that you're talking to and like everyone's going to have their own accent and sorry yeah go ahead yeah I just I was agreeing yeah true very true um so just like we had spaces in uh, uh, in, in traditional times, those spaces were defined by geography. Now they're just not defined by geography, but they still exist. So uh, homogenization might happen, but it also will have its own nuances in different spaces. Like uh, on Twitter, it might be one kind of, like it's one kind of space. Consider it as one geography. So then uh, uh, that could be one kind of uh, language or one kind of, uh, um, way of talking and then TikTok could be another or uh, then also because it intertwines with uh, different traditional cultures and different languages and then different uh, uh, geographies again so it will get more complex in fact but also more understandable by larger population so yeah I mean there are already like micro communities I'm almost never on Facebook when I but when I am I'm like I don't know what you guys are saying like I don't know the acronyms you're using every once in a while they'll float over to Twitter and I'll be like girl what is this I don't I don't know what this means and then Twitter has it's like every social media has its own culture like I can tell when someone is like oh you're a Facebook person <laughs> like well, you're an Instagram person just the way you interact with each other and with other people and like in whatever even in English like just talking about English as a language like the way English is used on Twitter is different from like Tumblr which I also still frequent I know it's dying but you know I was one of the OG Tumblr people or like Tumblr or like Instagram or TikTok. I, I occasionally go on TikTok, but I'm not really hip to it yet. But there's definitely already micro communities around like hobbies and stuff. So I agree, like it wouldn't be like I already kind of see it happening with like languages. And usually it's kind of attached to the hobbies, um, like liking a very specific show or um, liking a very specific artist, like it's, I agree. I think you're right. Like I, I do see it like already happening. 
Well, I think that this was a really great conversation. And I'm so glad that you were able to join in, um, whether you were speaking or listening. I know a couple of people left and it's sad to see them go. But as always, just grateful to have uh, people who have come on before join us and help us keep the conversation going for a bit. And I hope it was useful. I hope it was also something that was pretty interesting. It was definitely interesting for me to see that I'm not alone in this. How in the world do we solve this problem? (laughs) But it's good to know that sometimes there's no answer and other people are struggling with it too. So, again, you know, we try to do this once a week, so come as many times as you want. I think we'll be doing it at this time. I think this is our set time, right, Amy? (laughs) Is this, like, our schedule now? Yes, pretty much at this time, unless we want to try to put this a little bit earlier, but this seems to be an okay time. Mm -hmm. And so, on my end, it has been an amazing conversation. Thank you for joining, as always. You most likely already follow us, so we look forward to just keep growing with you guys as we're just going on our language journey and telling stories and sharing tips whenever we can. Um, I guess the last thing, as long as you don't mind, Amy, but is there a topic that you guys would like to talk about next week? very good or who knows yeah you know we could always introduce our products LaDonna you're a language coach right Mm -hmm. I am I'm getting my life together and transitioning oh my goodness I swear I speak English I really do uh transitioning my business online because I was mostly face-to-face and obviously that is not a thing anymore Thank you, Corona. Um, but yes, I am a certified neuro language coach. Um, I do have my TEFL certification, so theoretically I could teach English, but my uh, specialty is kind of helping people become more comfortable, like giving them a comfortable environment to really push themselves, make mistakes, get messy, as Ms. Rizzle says, and, you know, just, like, really know that, like, no judgment. Also, I get it. All the languages that I've studied, at some point, I've been where people are when they're working with me, and so, yeah, just helping people to, like, really hit their language goals and, like, be, like, targeted. Great. Yeah, that's really great, really great. And also, she will be, it's a secret, but I am also working with her for one of my projects on my website. Ha ha ha. Hint, hint. Do the language boot camp um, on my website. And you'll get a wonderful package after one month if you're able to complete my challenge. Um, so that is, yeah. In the one month challenge, um, basically it's one of those put your money where your mouth is kind of um, programs. So these challenges are fairly easy. They're based on tasks. If you're able to complete a certain amount of tasks each week and you post once a week about your progress and you're able to do these surveys so you could get a better sense of your learning style, then at the end of the month, or if you're able to complete the challenge within a month, we give 
give a completion package. And so some of these things could be services or discounts for other language communities, or we're definitely giving out a free t-shirt. And I created a language workbook that you can use to answer and ask 150 questions about yourself in a new, in a different language. So you can have a couple of free resources and a couple of free services for a thank you for completing the challenges and for helping us promote the website and what we're about. And so that's one thing where if anyone's interested, feel free. Um, but for sure, that's something that I am partnered with LaDonna for because we were just, we're friends. It's no secret. <laughs> Yeah, I wanted to ask also, uh, how, how's the Discord channel going? I, I couldn't join it. Uh, if it's active, oh. I'll join. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's something that's offered all year round, so anyone can join whenever. Whenever they purchase the language bootcamp, it starts pretty much that day, and then they get access to a certain part of the website. Even after the one month, they'll continue to have access for the rest of the year, maybe even into next year as well. And throughout the year, as I get more feedback, then I'll keep adding to the um, website as well. And I'm still working on other projects on the website, too. But for sure, it's something that, you know, later on, if you're interested in it, or even now, if you're interested, of course, but, you know, it's a go at your own pace. The vibe of my whole website is just, if this is what you're ready for, if you're up for the challenge, go for it. And it's something that can hopefully help you understand what kind of learner you are and what are things that you like, what are your strong points and where can you improve. And so it's an interesting project. So her website is speakinspades.com. This is going to be posted onto YouTube and be a podcast after this. I just want to make sure that it's audible. Um, LaDonna, do you have a website too? I do. It's discoveringlanguage.com. Updated periodically, but you'll mostly find me on Twitter. I'm pretty sure my DMs are open. I'm 99.9% sure they're open so if you ever have a question about anything you can tweet me or DM me I do uh, occasionally pop in on Instagram as well okay cool I will put both of your information up on whatever this winds up being distributed to my website is Glot Squad it is a language learning platform that helps uh, elementary to advanced language learners uh, navigate real-world material with uh, games, tools, and activities, and it's just starting out, so there's only one activity right now, which is the journal tracking um, app, which does visual learning, so. Thank you guys, thank you so much for organizing this every week. Uh, it's, it's a good learning, and uh, yesterday being an education day, this, this adds on to that, thank you. Thank you. I'm just glad that you like coming back. Um, it's always nice to see people who come back. So it made my day when I saw your name because I was just like, oh, well, we were interesting enough for him to come back and stay and speak. 
that means I, I'm probably going somewhere. I'm probably in the right direction. <laughs> so it's encouraging for us just as much as it's great that you enjoy being here. So I just look forward to keeping these conversations going. And I'm just glad. It, it was really nice to see you because I was like, oh, wow, someone who might speak a little later. <laughs> Both of you came on at the same time, I believe. LaDonna, too, you know, came on at the same time. And I was like, wow, the regulars, I can say that. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, if this is comfortable for everyone, then we can stop here and then meet up next week. I love all of the hand signals. Am I going to be the one closing it out? No, I'll, I'll, I'll close it. I just want to make sure that we all had a chance to say goodbye. Goodbye. Uh. <laughs>